Welcome to Talks at Advent, homilies and reflections given at the Church of the Advent, a Western Rite Orthodox mission in Atlanta, Georgia. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, God is one. Amen. Last Sunday, Father Ben wisely bade us to know where we are in the year, to know where we are in relation to the church calendar, not to be anxious about the things the world is anxious about, which includes the uh, upcoming um, buying spree that we call secularly the Christmas season. But the Christmas season for us is the season that begins on Christmas Day. And before that comes, we have the entire season of Advent. And before that comes, we have the season of Trinity Tide to finish. And during Trinity Tide, we have uh, a a three-day sort of uh, moment to really take a moment to take stock of ourselves, of our place in the world, and our place in the greater economy of salvation and God's creation. And those three days begin next Sunday with the eve of All Hallows Day. And that is uh, in our common parlance now called All Saints Day, where we celebrate all the saints of God. And the day following that is All Souls Day, where we pray for God's care for those who have departed this life. And we will start that three days tomorrow, uh, next week um, with the convergence of the eve of all Saints Day with Christ the King Sunday, which falls on um, the last Sunday of the year, falling on the 31st this year, uh, last Sunday of October, falling on the 31st this year. So next week, next Sunday, we begin uh, a three-day um, time to stop what we're doing in the world, to think about where we belong, not just in relation to our friends and family here, in relation to our jobs or uh, parties um, that we might belong to politically, clubs that we might belong to socially. We have all of these things that um, demand sort of our relational time and presence and energy here. But how much time do we spend thinking about our relational position in regard to the saints of God and to their king? Well, we'll have a wonderful opportunity to consider that next Sunday and the two days following. So today, I just want to encourage us to take um, the time to begin preparing our hearts to meet with Christ the King, his saints, and then to uh, pray uh, to them to take care of the souls of those who we love who have departed this life. I don't want that to come upon us uh, without us having prepared for it. And this Sunday is a wonderful uh, day to do that because the lectionary on this 17th Sunday after Trinity Uh, serendipitously, or maybe providentially for this year, can help prepare us for that. Because the epistle and the gospel readings today both really help us to um, put our hearts in the right place by encouraging us to be humble. Humility is the main theme of 
the scripture readings today. St. Paul encourages us in his epistle to be of humble heart, and Jesus shows what it looks like to be of humble heart in the gospel, in the story, both through what he does in his action and then through what he says in the story that he gives us. What does he do in his action first? But he's invited over to uh, the house of one of the leaders of the Pharisee. The Pharisaical group are those in Jesus' day and age who are sort of responsible, or they think they are the ones responsible for interpreting the law of God rightly and correctly for the people. Now, we were talking recently in the last few Sundays about how important that is to um, rightly divide the word of God, to look at what God tells us in his scriptures, and to describe what that means practically in the lives of the people. That's why we have sermons here in the middle of the liturgy. This is a liturgical action, the sermon. It's not just a a brief pause in the middle of the liturgical stuff to talk to people for a while. This is liturgical. This is something that Moses did when the law was handed to him. The law was given to him, he gave it to the people, and then he explained how it was going to work. This is something when King Josiah uh, rediscovered the law, they had to do it again. This is something that when the people were exiled, like we heard about in Daniel today, um, first uh, among the Babylonians and then the Persians, they they had no more temple to go to. What they had to do was relearn from the ground up how to have a proper relation with God, and they did that through their scriptures. And so the Pharisees, knowing how important it was to, to interpret rightly the scriptures, spent their lives dedicating themselves to studying and to applying what they understood to be the correct way to read the scriptures, interpret them, and apply it to their lives. The problem was that they got so, they, they buried their noses so far in the text of the scripture that they failed to ascertain its spirit so that they could walk it out in their life. And one of the ways that they demonstrate their failure in this is in today's gospel story. When they invite Jesus over to have a meal with them, which sounds like a nice thing to do, but what they were doing was setting a trap for him because they already were disturbed by the way he was teaching the scriptures. It was not jiving with what they thought the interpretation of the Old Testament was supposed to be. And so they invited him over because, get this, they knew he had the power to heal people. And instead of taking that datum, (laughs) that fact, and sitting with it in their hearts and saying, hmm, I wonder if this could be because he has the power of God working in him. Instead, what they decided was he isn't using this gift properly, and so we are going to trap him in it. And so they invite him over for the Sabbath meal, the Sabbath day when, according to their interpretation, no work is supposed to be done. I mean, they had they had the number of steps during the day you could take worked out. They had the things that you could pick up or not worked out. They had all of this down to a T, and so they set a trap for Jesus by when he's coming over, putting in his path a man that they knew Jesus (laughs) would want to heal. This man had uh, what we now call edema, a painful, um, uh, very inconvenient uh, affliction that, that made this man's life miserable. 
And they took this poor, miserable man and used him for their scheming and put him in front of Christ. And Christ here in the middle of the most important people socially, religiously, in his time and place, in his earthly context, Jesus, with his heart humbled, like that of a servant, fully aware of what his task was in relation to the most important person to him, that is his father, it says that he answers them. It's funny. It doesn't say that the Pharisee said anything to him. It just says that when he was coming over, they put before him this man with dropsy, and Jesus answered them as if to say, what you're doing is speaking to me now. You're tempting me. You are doing this on purpose, and so I'm answering your action. And I'm asking you a new question. If any of you had uh, a valuable asset, an animal, a donkey, a beast of burden, something that is like a car, you know, for us now, and it fell into a hole on the Sabbath, would you not immediately take its rein and help pull it out? Of course you would. Of course you would. And you've just put in front of me a beautiful child of God. And, and like, tell me, what's, what's more reasonable to do? Heal a child of God or pull a donkey out of a hole on the Sabbath day? So Jesus turns and he heals the man. He heals this man and sends him away. And this, is, this, this miracle is captured in just a few words in this story and then the man is gone from out of the story. But think of this man is a small part of this story. But for that man, his story, his own life has just radically changed. And it changed because Jesus was not afraid to take the humble position and do something that his father instructed him to do despite the ire that he was going to get from the important people around him. And then he says something more to the Pharisees. He says, noticing when they were all sitting down, how they jostled for the seats of honor. There was a, a hierarchy of sitting, I guess. There's this social thing that they all understood and that they were, pre, uh, they, they were concerned with. And Jesus said to them, look, when, you, when you're invited for a feast or a wedding or a dinner or something, don't don't try to sit at the highest possible place that your dignity allows you to sit at. Go sit at the lowest place you can find. And if you do that, when the master of the house or whoever invited you to the thing comes to find you and says, friend, please come, come sit closer. Come sit at a higher dignity place. Then that honor shown to you will also be seen by everyone else around you. Your initial humility will be rewarded not only because you were moved up to a place of dignity, but because that person who is able to assign the places of dignity will honor you directly by coming and getting you and placing you there. What does this story have to do with what Jesus did in, in the uh, miracle? Well, it means that Jesus is describing an entire way of life. The same impulse that would have him go and sit at the, the humble place is the same impulse that has him heal uh, a man who is unattractive, bloated, disfigured, sad, you know, pitiful, 
and touch him and heal him and change his life. This is the mission of Christ, to come down from heaven to the lowest place in order to raise us who were at the lowest place up to a higher place of dignity, to ennoble us, to heal and exalt and lift us up. And the reason this story is perfect, I think, for us to hear and contemplate the Sunday before Christ the King Sunday and All Saints Day and then All Souls Day is because this is exactly the condition our hearts need to be in in order to rightly see the face of our King, in order to rightly come before the saints of God in petition and for the sake of honoring them, and in order to rightly lift up through our supplications those souls of our departed family and friends. This humble place is the way we will take our intended places in the kingdom of God. We cannot be lifted up by God unless we humble ourselves, unless we spend our time thinking less of ourselves and putting ourselves in the lowest place and giving of ourselves to lift others up. The less we spend on honoring ourselves, thinking about our relation in terms of dignity and uh, how we look in the eyes of others, the less time we spend doing that and the more time we spend looking to God and looking to others, the higher up we will be in God's kingdom, the higher he will lift us, the closer we will ultimately be toward God and to others. This jives perfectly with the summary of the law that we hear Jesus give all the time and that we begin our service with. How does Jesus summarize, sum, sum up the law? And how is this different from what the Pharisees were, were doing with the law? Did they sum it up this way, like Jesus did? Love the Lord your God with all of your heart, soul, mind, strength, and everything, and love your neighbor as yourself. What's the order of persons in that summary? God, neighbor, self. This hierarchy, this order is vital to the Christian life. It is the only way that we can be properly Christian. If we get out of order any of those things, and trust me, there are, um, I'm sure there's a mathematical way to uh, figure out how many different ways you can order those. Um, never good, what, nine different, because there's three. Why do I ever try bringing math into a sermon? Never works. God, others, self. This is the only way to live. If we get any of those out of order, then we will, I hate to say, spend necessarily some time disentangling that error before we can see God as he is and be with him as we ought to be in his kingdom. If today we have any of those out of order, and spend the time now untangling it and putting it back in order. Do not wait until the hour of death or God forbid death come upon us before we've untangled it and set the order correctly. Because if that happens, the, the time and the way 
that it would be untangled for us is beyond our sight to see. We don't know what that would look like. Maybe it's something we can call purgatory, purgation, the, the, the fixing, the purging of the error in us. It might be something that we call hell, which is the experience of God's holiness and, and, and unmediated presence to us who aren't prepared to meet God in that way. And that burning fire that St. Peter describes or that's talked about in, in the book of the Hebrews, that will be a painful experience if God isn't placed first and then his creatures and loved ones placed second and then ourselves placed a far third. God wants to raise us up. For him, we are that second. We are the other. Let God raise us up to that level. But we, we can afford to empty ourselves because nothing we can do for ourselves, no jostling for position, no storing up of grain in barns, no saving in 401ks or uh, whatever other insurance we try to make will ultimately do anything for us in the end. The only thing that we can do for ourselves is to empty ourselves and allow God to fill us up with himself. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, God is one. Amen. Talks at Advent. Homilies and reflections given at the Church of the Advent, a Western Rite Orthodox mission in Atlanta, Georgia.